Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. We're going to be talking about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease today, otherwise known as COPD. And today we have Valerie Chang. She's the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. We're going to talk about what are the signs and symptoms and risk factors of having this progressive lung condition, who needs to be tested, and what you need to do to make sure that early detection occurs, because that really is the key to helping to stabilize the condition. Someday, we really do hope to be able to cure it. So thank you for joining me today, Valerie. Oh, thank you. Now, we've had this wonderful group that you have formed, the Hawaii COPD Coalition. What was your motivation to start this group? Well, I was diagnosed with uh, emphysema from no known cause about 18 years ago. And your world just changes. You know, you think, okay, now what? And sadly, no one was around to tell me, now what? So I wanted to make sure that when other people have lung problems, they have a place to turn, and we want to be that place. So you were diagnosed with this condition, but it was sort of an unusual thing for you. You're, you were a young woman at the time. You're not a smoker. So the, what are the unique things that might have been related to your diagnosis? And then we'll talk about what the usual course of diagnosis is. Well, the only reason I was diagnosed was because I kept waking up every night unable to breathe. And that's rather unusual for presentation for COPD. And rather uncomfortable, I would think. Yeah, it kind of freaked out the people I camped with and my husband. So they said, you know, you really do need to go somewhere and get your lungs tested and get a full physical and figure out what the heck's going on. So you wound up going to get it tested. And in fact, when I see people come in and I hear them say they wake up and they're breathless, my first thought would be something along the lines of like sleep apnea. But that was definitely not what was going on with you. What was happening in your body? Um, I was told I have severe emphysema. And once they gave me the proper inhalers, things got better. So you saw an immediate benefit? Yeah, yeah. And now, how does that condition affect what you do during the day and your activities. It sort of changed the trajectory of your life in a way. Yeah, I was never envisioning doing public health or doing anything relating to lung health or anything else. Um, I was in an a legal profession. Yeah, yeah. I was an attorney. Um, but I decided that this was a field that really needed a little bit more um, advocacy. And so we have been having support groups since 2007, and we have been having an annual education day since then, too. And that's something that's going to be coming up in September. We're going to be hearing more about that in just a little bit. Now, what are the usual symptoms or risk factors for someone who might develop COPD? Because it, you are a slightly unusual person to have this. It does happen in people who are not smokers. It's a little less common. But for those people who do get diagnosed, what are the usual risk factors that they may have? Well, the most common historically has been that people exposed to tobacco or um, cigarettes. And that's really common. About 
um, 80 or so percent of the people that have COPD are current or former smokers or exposed heavily to secondhand smoke or lung irritants. But then there's the other one in five or one in four, depends on who you talk to, people that just get it from, you know, uh, occupational exposures. People in the developing world get it from being around cook fires um, and biomass fields because they burn it to keep warm and to cook their food. And especially women and children are developing all kinds of lung issues because of that. And there are some genetic conditions. Oh, yes, definitely. There's alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, and that can be detected very easily by a simple blood test that's free. And anyone that does have lung disease should get that test. And it's free and it's easy. It takes a finger stick and you have five drops of blood and you mail it in and your doctor will get the information as to what you have, whether you do or don't have alpha-1. That is a condition that would require slightly different monitoring and slightly different treatment. Now, for those folks who do have those risk factors, maybe they're smokers, exposed to smoke, some type of occupational exposure. What are the common symptoms of someone presenting with COPD? Now, you were having problems with not being able to breathe at night. What might be something that another otherwise feeling great individual might first start to experience that would make them say, huh, maybe there's trouble here? Yeah, one of the first symptoms is not being able to do what you used to do And just thinking you're out of condition, that you get breathless very easily, especially if you're hurrying up up, uh, incline or up the stairs. And especially if it's coming on more and more and people your age pass you and people younger than you and older than you are all passing you and you're holding up the tail end in the hikes all the time. Like you've just described a lot of where I've been. But I mean, certainly if you if you're exercising regularly, so that if you're normally walking a couple of miles, and now you find yourself not able to walk that two miles, maybe you're walking a mile and you're like, I'm just totally exhausted. There could be something going on that could be a sign may not be COPD might be your heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be something else. You could just be out of shape, but always good to get that checked out. So not being able to do activities that you're used to. Is there anything specific about your breathing pattern that might make someone get a little concerned? Yeah, if you start breathing a lot more rapidly for the same level of exertion as before, and also if you start coughing a lot. And if you start having a lot of mucus, if you have mucus every day for three months, two years in a row, that's considered chronic bronchitis. And how does that relate to COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease? Well, that is one of the... COPD is basically an umbrella term, and it includes emphysema and chronic bronchitis. And some people include chronic asthma because most asthmatics, if they take their medicine as directed, they can fully reverse and even become gold Olympic winners. Whereas people with chronic asthma, it never really goes away. It just gets a little better and more manageable. So they sometimes get lumped in as part of COPD as well. So this umbrella term, which incorporates those different conditions, 
when you get diagnosed specifically with the emphysema aspect or the chronic bronchitis aspect or the chronic asthma, the treatment could be slightly different and variable based on what your presentation and symptoms are. Definitely, yes. Is there any cure? Um, not really. There is a lung transplant, but sometimes that's worse than the treatment. And it's usually only for people that are very severe and likely to die in a year or two if they don't get it. So it's really not what anyone wants. All right. Well, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with my friend and buddy and COPD advocate, Valerie Chang. And we're here because she's representing her organization, the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And we're going to be talking when we come back about what are some of the treatments that are available for those different conditions and how might you go about getting some of those if you get identified as someone who's dealing with COPD. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Val Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and she really has spearheaded this educational atmosphere regarding this diagnosis, spurred on by her own personal diagnosis, but also due to a need to help other people who find out this life-altering information. When you go from, I feel like a healthy person, to I now have a serious diagnosis, there's a lot of adjustment that takes place. And having been in that position and recognized the need, she's taken it on and done an absolutely fantastic job doing the educational component for COPD, for people who get diagnosed with this, which does incorporate chronic asthma, chronic emphysema, and also chronic bronchitis, those conditions that can get worse and really make you feel breathless at times. So we were talking about the risk factors, and Val, we mentioned that it would be smokers or people exposed to smoke, whether it be firsthand or secondhand, developing countries with the type of cooking atmosphere that they may have in an enclosed space, we also talked about people that might have other types of occupational exposures and some genetic issues. But the general idea is that you feel like you can't get enough air. And when you push your body to a limit, and that limit may get progressively smaller as time goes on, then you just feel like you can't keep up. Right. And actually, it if people want to try it, it's called stacked breathing, where you take a deep breath in, and then you exhale halfway and then take another deep breath in, and then exhale halfway, and then take another deep breath in and exhale halfway, it starts to feel very uncomfortable. And that's what people with chronic lung disease feel all the time because they can't quite get out all their air. So it's always being trapped. And they never really feel like they get a full breath. So when they're taking in this breath, if they still have their their lungs half full of air, they can't get in as much. So then you get this air trapping phenomena where there's, you know, CO2, carbon dioxide, you want to breathe it out, but you can't because you can't literally get that recoil action of the lungs. And in doing the stacked breath, like you say, it just is, you just can't get enough of the oxygen in. So it can cause some serious difficulties. Now, if you were to look at the lungs of someone who has emphysema, what would they look like? How would they appear different than otherwise healthy lungs? 
Well, people with emphysema, if you imagine a bunch of grapes, instead of each individual grape, they kind of got smushed together. So they're a one mega grape instead of a lot of individual grapes. And each of the individual alveoli are supposed to process the oxygen. And if they're all squashed together, they don't do it very efficiently. And that's why some people need supplemental oxygen to function. And one of the speakers at our education day is going to talk about an exciting new test that they offer at Straub so that people can find out whether or not it's safe for them to be at altitude and to fly. And since so many people like Vegas and like traveling, that's really an important issue. Um, I fly many times a year, about 30,000 miles, and I know a lot of our other patients really want to fly too, but they want to make sure they don't have an air emergency, and I think that's a responsible way to find out. And it's something a lot of times people don't think about. You might be restricted in your geographic ability to travel if you don't have the oxygen arranged in advance or if you don't know if you need it or not. So you mentioned there's a test that people can do to find out how they would do at altitude. Because altitude, when you go up in a plane, there is a change in the oxygen concentration in the air that's circulated. So it's not going to be as oxygen rich as you might find when you're here at sea level. So for somebody who already has a little trouble with oxygen levels, boy, you go up in a plane and it could really be a problem. Right. It's a high altitude simulation test, also called the HAST. And I'm really excited that um, Straub has decided to have that test because when I was first diagnosed, that was one of my questions. Is it safe for me to fly? Because I fly. You know, I go with my family here and there and I want to make sure I don't create an emergency because all of a sudden my lungs aren't able to process enough oxygen for myself. Well, and it's not like you can just land somewhere in the middle of here in California. There's a lot of water. So you have to make sure that you're able to get to that distance, not only just neighbor island 15, 20-minute flights, but if you're going to the mainland, you have to be able to do well for an extended period of time. Now, does everyone who has emphysema or COPD or chronic bronchitis, we'll sort of blend those all together because they're all... COPD is the umbrella term. Does everybody need to have oxygen when they fly? No. Or some people don't have to do that? Actually, for the first eight years after I was diagnosed, I didn't need oxygen. But the last 10 years, I have been flying with oxygen. And I find that I arrive much more rested. And it doesn't tax your body as much if you're not trying so hard to make sure your oxygen level stays up. Um, And... I can't keep my oxygen levels at numbers that my doctors and I want them to be without the supplemental oxygen. But nowadays, there are fairly lightweight and inexpensive um, portable oxygen concentrators that are sold or rented that people can use to keep their oxygen levels as good as their doctors and they think that it should be. Now, what is a normal oxygen level? There's a little monitor that some people can consider using or even purchasing. It's called a pulse oximeter. And what would be normal for most people if they just put their finger in one of those devices? At sea level, normal is between 95 and 100 for most people. People with lung disease could have the same or could have lower. It depends. And not everyone 
some people never need supplemental oxygen, and some people need it fairly early in their condition. It doesn't really matter. The important thing is study after study has shown that people that use oxygen as directed live longer and healthier lives. And to me, that's what it's all about. Sure, it puts less stress on the rest of your body. Your heart doesn't have to work twice as hard. The rest of your body gets that oxygen-rich blood. There are some compensation factors that your body can do if you don't get enough oxygen, but it leads to some other strain and stress on the other organs. So normal oxygen levels would be 95 to 100%. And for someone who has COPD, would their numbers sometimes maybe even be in the 80s? Oh, I've had mine down to 70, and it's really not a good thing. You can't think as well, and it feels like you're encased in cement. It's very unpleasant, and it's hard to figure out what's going on until you stop and think, oh, wait, maybe I should check and see what my oxygen levels are. And you do it, and you're like, ah, okay then. That's why I've got an explanation, (laughs) and I have a treatment. Now, in addition to using oxygen, there's other potential treatments. Some people use different inhalers. They use other types of ways to improve their lung function. Some people get bad enough they need to use steroids, which might also help them with breathing. What are some of the common types of treatments that you're familiar with? Well, most of the lung treatments nowadays are inhalers of various sorts. And if It's too difficult for coordination, or you don't have the quite the lung power. People use nebulizers, and they have smaller and smaller and very lightweight nebulizers these days. So it's um, much easier to travel with them. I travel with a nebulizer, and sometimes I use that to get extra salty saline into my lungs, and then I use what they call a PEP device, peak expiratory, positive expiratory pressure device, and you blow in it, and it makes a vibration in your chest so that it helps loosen mucus and helps you breathe better without any medicine, and that makes me really happy, and it keeps me from getting sick. So, And that's the other key is that for those people who learn how to live well when they're healthy having this condition, there's a whole different story when you get sick. What are some of the illnesses that you try and avoid? Well, you just try to not get sick, period. So you get your flu shot, you get your pneumonia shot. I got the shingle shot and the shingrex shot. I get whatever shots the doctors and I agree on, and I get the boosters just because... Our bodies are working extra hard, so I think we're more vulnerable to getting whatever's out there. And then using good hygiene is really important, keeping your hands away from your face, especially when there's people that are sick around, washing your hands physically with water and soap. And um, My husband says physical agitation is really important, getting rid of those pesky germs. Well, it's true, and there are now some concerns about some of the bacteria that are becoming resistant to even some of the alcohol sanitizer gels. But, you know, if you already have a lung condition, getting a lung infection on top of that, whether it be a pneumonia or a bronchitis, that can really put extra strain on your already affected lungs. And in that situation, 
it could lead to some serious complications, like in some cases even being put on a breathing machine. And then it's very difficult to get off of that machine. There's some various consequences accordingly. So certainly a lot of reasons why, particularly, they always make those recommendations. If you have lung disease, go get your flu shot first. You're in the high priority. And get the extra quadrivalent, get the the double shot or the extra strong flu shot because you want to make sure you have that protection. Lots of things that people want to do to be proactive. If you have a lung condition, you also need to go ahead and get those pneumonia vaccinations because that's something that's often given to folks only over 65 unless they have a chronic medical condition or a lung condition. So good on you that you've gotten all those vaccines because that's really another way to help protect yourself. Now, some of the things that you've had to do to adjust your life. You've certainly had to be more mindful when you go on plane rides, bringing the different materials that you need. And I suspect since they have all these criteria now, when you get on a plane, you can't have anything more than three ounces, that you might have to do a little planning ahead. Oh, yeah. You get do a lot of planning. The good thing is the airlines are getting a little better about their prescription form for flying with oxygen, and they're more used to people flying with all their medicines, and the medicines and your oxygen do not count as luggage as part of your baggage allowance, so you get to take all of these things with you on the plane so that you don't have to worry that you'll have to go look for a pharmacy in the middle of wherever you're going. That's really a lot of stress to have to be looking for those things. Absolutely. And then who knows, they may not have the supplies you need. All right. Well, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Valerie Chang, the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the educational opportunities coming up on COPD Education Day, which is going to be Friday, September 14th. So we'll be right back after this quick break and hear more about what we can learn if we happen to be able to go to that event. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training, Moyer Financial, and Kaiser Permanente. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with Valerie Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And COPD is a chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and it is a condition that incorporates emphysema, chronic bronchitis, and chronic asthma in causing this progressive loss of appropriate function of the lungs, which in some cases could cause some serious troubles with breathing. Now, coming up on Friday the 14th is going to be an educational seminar. So let's do a little bit of myth busting, because some of the things we're going to talk about, people are going to learn about if if they're able to attend. First thing, if you have COPD, you can't exercise at all. True or false? That's definitely false. But the thing is, you have to learn to exercise safely. And that's why we're having two speakers to help demonstrate safe exercises for people with COPD. One is Tai Chi, and one is Rehab Hospital of the Pacific. And I think that those will be really exciting. In fact, Tai Chi is being studied in China as an alternative or supplement for pulmonary rehabilitation. Well, and it not just helps with the lungs, but it also helps with people in their balance as well. Yes. So, you know, coordination. Absolutely. And one of the things we know is that if you fall and break a hip and get hospitalized, all sorts of sequelae occur. So 
really good if you need to work on your balance to consider Tai Chi. And then also, like you mentioned, there's deep breathing involved and there's also a slower movement, which is allowing your body to hopefully not have that stacked breath phenomena trying to keep up. But getting the breathing that is still giving you the aerobic workout that you need. Now, you also mentioned the rehabilitation hospital. We've got one of the best rehab centers in the United States right around the corner from here. And they do some amazing work, but they have this pulmonary rehab program. So that's a program where they're trying to get people who might have lung issues to be able to improve their physical capacity so that they can survive longer and be more active to keep their body going. Is that right? Yes, but actually they've changed a little, and now they have this program called Rehab Strong. They're trying to help people so that they get the skills so that they can exercise anywhere, like the Y or their local gym or with their friends and not necessarily in a medical setting. But of course, in the beginning, they want to monitor you and make sure everything's done safely and correctly so that there's no one getting injured. Well, and you want to have someone understand how far and how much they can push themselves and know that they're safe. That's really the key. And they also have supplemental oxygen so that people... For Like for myself, if I use supplemental oxygen, I can do much more and push myself and get the cardiovascular benefits than if I try to baby myself because I don't want my oxygen levels to drop. Because just giving yourself that extra oxygen lets your body work at its capacity. Excellent. Ways that you can feel good and stay active and then hopefully be able to feel comfortable enough that you can exercise anywhere, whether it be outdoors or your favorite gym or with your friends or go on those hikes that I usually do wind up being the slow one. But okay. So another myth, which I think we just talked about and busted already, you can't travel with COPD. And you mentioned, sure you can. And there are some new devices, both nebulizers and oxygen concentrators and different types of oxygen you can bring on. And that's a very interesting point that it doesn't count as your personal item or your carry-on, because that's what a lot of people are bringing these days, given all the charges for luggage. So you can travel. Yes, And they're going to talk a little bit about that. And actually... Dr. Um, Crowley, who is one of the speakers, is going to talk about some of the new treatments. They have a valve treatment that is appropriate for selected patients that will help shrink the um, hyperinflated parts of your lungs so that the healthy parts can work better. So that's really exciting. That just got approved recently. And so... Um, He does have experience with it because he was involved in the clinical trials. Um, They're also going to talk about transtracheal oxygen, which is a different way of getting oxygen instead of having the cannula in your nose. And that's another option for the right patient. Lots of new things that are coming out, which is great because we're we're wanting to help people as they deal with this chronic illness to figure out how they can maintain their lifestyle and what they can do about it. Now, there's also going to be a discussion on COPD and sleep. Yes. um, Many people with COPD have sleep apnea, as you mentioned earlier. And if the sleep apnea is diagnosed and treated properly, then the patients will be able to be have a lot more energy and be healthier and be able to do a lot more. So it's really important that 
Dr. Hara is going to explain all of this and have a table so people can see what all the different equipment for their sleep apnea might look like. Well, and it's interesting because you mentioned at the top of the show that one of the symptoms that made you realize that you were having troubles was that sense of having trouble when you were asleep, when you were trying to breathe and, you know, coughing and waking up feeling like you couldn't get your air. So the first thing I thought of was sleep apnea. And in fact, if you have COPD and sleep apnea, it's kind of a double whammy. So you really want to figure out what you can do about that. Now, this is going to be a very exciting event, and it's really going to be something that those folks who have trouble are really going to learn a lot. And I've been to this event before, and it's very well attended. And it also is very educational. People learn a lot of interesting things about how to empower themselves and take better care of their health. Now, if people want to go and get more information, they can go to a website. It's pretty simple. Can you tell us what it is? Yeah, it's hawaiicopd.org, or they can go to any public library on Oahu and get a free brochure. And you can also find it maybe even at your doctor's office and hopefully help them to understand that there's some great patient education out there. All right. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can go to our HPR website or you can find us on the app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll be right here next week when we talk more about health on The Body Show. (laughs) 